Welcome to This is Calm and It's Doctor. I'm your host, Monica. And I'm Tanner, and this is a Criminal Minds podcast. Um, today we'll be talking about episode 7 of season 1, The Fox. The original air date was November 9th, 2005. It was written by Jeff Davis, Andrew Wilder, and Simon Mirren and directed by Guy Norman B. It guest stars Neil Jones as Carl Arnold, Tony Todd as Eric Miller, Bonita Frederici as Dr. Rachel Howard. It's either Frederici or Frederici. I think I want to say Ricci. How does it, how's like the last Ricci spelled? R-I-C-Y. R-I-C-E-Y? Y. No, R-I-C-Y. Oh, C- Just one C. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as t- Dr. Rachel Howard and Abraham Ben Ruby as Frank Fielding. This is also another return of guest star Meredith Monroe as Haley Hotchner. Um, <clears throat> and then I have a list of what all of the guest characters <laughs> did, but we'll do that after the show. <laughs> you saw it. You saw it. Okay. Um <clears throat> I don't know what's in my throat. Uh, We open on some bushes that are meant to be creepy. Like, it's dark. There's music. It's ominous. And then we come up on a big white house. And then we're inside the house, and we see a little boy in pajamas running, saying, Mommy, don't let him get me. Don't let him get me. And, like, you you can tell he's, like, kidding. Like, it's playful. And then we eventually see that the boy is playing around with his father. His father is the one chasing him. So the boy and the dad enter the living room and the boy very rambunctiously bumps into his sister's uh, painting like water to clean her brush and just ruins the painting she's been working on for God knows how long. (laughs) Honestly, and she makes a comment like, he ruined my painting, but in general handles it better than I would have if my brother did that to me when I was that age. I would have lost my mind. (laughs) Like full blown temper tantrum. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, the little girl is upset about her picture, but her brother reminds her that they're going to Disney World the next day. Uh, the mother makes a joke about being the only adult in the house, and the dad says, that's why you love me, Mrs. Crawford. So, now we know that the family is the Crawfords. They're really cute. The whole family's cute. I know. (laughs) Don't get attached. (laughs) No. We then see the children outside calling for Ben, which is a unique name for a dog um <laughs> and i like that's a rottweiler it's like just my i mean rottweiler i can't ben. really talk my cat's name is bob my dog's but... name is stanley <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> we then see a dog eating a raw steak though the kids can't see him so like they're just like ben ben and then they're like he's not coming in dad um the dad walks up to the door and the dog comes in the doggy door and we hear this beep beep as the dog walks through the doggy door um the father peeks outside like he's kind of looking to see if anything's suspicious but he doesn't see anything and the next we see him is like in the kitchen window probably doing dishes um i used to live above a rottweiler at my last apartment and she was she's hilarious she's an absolute lunatic and her and my dog were in love and wanted to run away together they, anytime they were out in the yard together, they were just like, take off. And we were just like, <sighs> her name was Raina. Raina, I love you. But the mm-hmm. way she barked just when someone walked by the door, 
it was so scary. Like mm-hmm. she had such a scary bark and she barked at anyone that came by. So mm-hmm. I'm like, why was this Rottweiler such a terrible guard dog? <laughs> right? I don't think steak would have worked for Raina. <laughs> no. Um, my dad had a Rottweiler and he was the sweetest dog in the world. Like I love that dog so oh my much. I was upset. I was a little nervous cause she's so much bigger than my dog. So I wasn't nervous for like mm-hmm. me, but I was nervous for my dog when they first met and I was like, please be nice to him. Because she was, like, so rambunctious. But, oh, my God, mm-hmm. she was the sweetest thing. And she was a just total nut. And I love her. And I miss her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I you, Raina. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is dedicated to Raina, the dog that lived below me. <laughs> yes, dedicated to Raina. Um, I have a friend whose daughter's name is Raina. I think it's a really pretty name. Mm-hmm. Um, the father and son are in bed when the mother walks in carrying a little girl and says, just let them sleep with us. And so then, in the most heartbreaking part of the fucking show, I know. the son turns to his father and goes, I love you. And it's just like a hot knife poking in your chest if you've seen the episode before. Literally, in my notes I wrote, I'm gonna cry. I think it got softer since last time I saw this episode. Yeah! So sad. <laughs> um, we then see the outside of the house in, like, pitch black. Oop, that was my nail. Um, we then see the outside of the house in pitch black, and then there's, like, a man or a, a figure standing. Um, you see, like, the side of them. It's then the next morning... And the radio's playing, and the mom's, like, waking up slowly, quote-unquote, in an actor's way of slowly waking up. Um, <clears throat> and she reaches around to wake up her husband, who's under the uh, under the sheets. She, like, reaches around, and she, like, hugs him, and she gives him a kiss on the shoulder. And she's getting up, and she realizes, where are my kids? Like, they slept in here last night. And so she's, like, looking, like, what? And then she turns around, and she sees her husband is tied to a chair. Um, and he's not making enough noise for somebody who is tied to a chair <laughs> whose wife is in bed with someone else. I'm like, why would you not have made as much, much noise as possible to wake that woman up? Right? <laughs> what, does she need a good night's sleep before she gets murdered? <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, this is, like, the episode that scarred my mom forever because, like, the idea of waking up and thinking it's your husband yep. in bed and it's not. Yeah. Um, nightmare so then the figure that's in the bed sits up and like very dramatically like uh moves the blanket and that's like all we see we don't see anything else um gideon gives the opening quote from thomas fuller with foxes we must play the fox which okay sure um (laughs) he's putting up pictures from a crime scene that includes the family we just saw he says they have to find out if they were murder-suicide. So the way that the bodies were left, it was made to look like the father stabbed the whole family and then shot himself. Um, when we come back from the title sequence, we're looking at a baby. <laughs> and we then realize that it is uh, Haley and Aaron's son. Someone comments that he's so cute and Reed says, if you find baldness and wrinkles attractive. <laughs> uh, I had an old boss once who was like the most curmudgeonly old man and mm-hmm. his daughter had a baby making him a grandpa for the first time and he came into work and we were all like tim congratulations How, how's the baby he's like oh it's a baby <laughs> i was like oh my god this is reed <laughs> he was like they all kind of look the same they're just kind of look like aliens we're like okay congrats then <laughs> uh, garcia asks morgan if he wants one and he says he'll stick to practicing with that 
Derek Blech. Morgan grin. <laughs> uh, Haley and the baby leave without mention of the baby's name. Uh, Hotch asks Elle if it's bad, and she says the worst. So Gideon is at the board explaining the Crawford family was murdered three days ago. Morgan mentions that he heard about it on the news. They were found in the basement, bags packed for a trip they never took. The father had gun residue on his right hand, and the rest of the family was stabbed. Morgan asks what evidence they have that it wasn't the father, and JJ explains that another family was murdered the same way. Uh, the Millers were found a month prior. This family had a stepfather, um, and that's like of note. So this was like a woman who had two children, she remarried, and it was made to look like the stepfather killed the whole family. Um, both cases are similar down to the amount of time they were alive after they were supposed to leave on the trip. So they were both alive around five days. Each family was taking a family trip, and each family was alive for around five days after their trip was supposed to have left. <clears throat> JJ presents a subject, Eric Miller, father of the Miller children. He was violent and abusive to the mother. Morgan says that abusive husbands see their families like property. JJ says they found him in a motel he had been hiding out with, at with blood on him. The blood belonged to his children. I just want to know how they DNA tested it so fast. Right? (laughs) Rapid (laughs) DNA test. Um, He didn't know the Crawfords, and there's no evidence of him ever being in the house. And we see glimpses of him at this point, and if you have a keen eye, you will recognize Eric Miller is played by Tony Todd, a.k.a. Candyman. Um, Which, every time my mom walks in the room when I'm watching this episode, she goes, oh, Candyman. (laughs) And it's it's probably been 20 times. (laughs) I, um, I used to have, when my grandparents would go out of town, I had, these were, like, approved parties, but I would have parties with, like, my friends in, like, 7th and 8th grade, and we watched, like, the first three Candyman movies, because there's more than just one. I had literally never heard of it until they started talking about the remake that's coming out. It's not super popular, um, it was just some like it was something my mom had known and she was like, Oh, watch this movie and so like we we watched it and then we oops. Then we found out that there were multiple movies and we just like every party that I had we'd watch a different one. But then people started going to high school parties and it was like nobody wants to watch movies with me anymore. <laughs> for <laughs> the record for the record I did watch Look of the Irish with her last week. Yes <laughs> And it's my new favorite movie. <laughs> Oh my god, it's such a good... (laughs) I was laughing the whole time. Oh my god, I love it. And when they sing This Land is Your Land at the end, I thought Tanner was going to (laughs) explode. I'm I'm so glad I watched that. It's so good. Um, Reed makes a joke that if anyone could apply overwhelming force, this guy was your man. Gideon says he wants Reed to lead the interview. Reed is suddenly not as jovial, possibly scared, at the notion of interviewing this giant man that he was just saying could apply overwhelming force. Um, Gideon then mentions that this is Reed's first solo interview. We do the damn picture transition again. Oh my god, I was so mm-hmm. mad when I saw that. It, they've done it for at least three episodes straight. Yeah. They did it with the Davenports, they did it with the LDSK, and now they've done it with this one. Pick a new gimmick. <laughs> Um, as Gideon we do the damn picture transition again that's exactly how I wrote it 
as Gideon describes the Crawford residence as the most recent crime scene, and we see them walking down the stairs into the basement um, where the Crawford family was killed. Gideon and Morgan profile the room. Um, the unsub used a gun to keep the family in control. Morgan suggests he stabbed the father first, then the mother, then the children. Gideon wonders how he kept the children quiet while he was killing their parents. All I could think of... Oh, you know what? Keep going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Hodge and Elle are going over the autopsy report as a recording explaining the names and ages of each victim as well as how they died is playing. Uh, it's a very somber moment because they're talking about an eight-year-old and I think the other one was five um, and that th- how they were murdered. Um Hotch asks where his wedding wedding ring is because he has a mark where it should be, but it is not uh, like in the effects or on the body or anything. We then hear Reed walk into interrogation to talk to Eric Miller. Miller presents as a strong alpha male, telling Reed to look him in the eye when he talks to him. Reed is visibly nervous and shaken. <laughs> um, he then starts to question Miller about, about the Crawford family. Miller tries to scare Reed by making a loud noise and starts screaming as if they think he did it. Hotch and Elle walk in, and Hotch tells Miller to sit down. Miller replies with, Is this your daddy? <laughs> I was like, well... <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <Who> you asking? <laughs> Reed tells Miller... Um, so Miller says, I'm done talking with you people, and Reed is like, don't talk, just listen. And he describes Miller's childhood about how his um, dad was abusive, and then he ended up in a foster home, and then he was sexually abused. And he wonders if Miller continued that sexual abuse with his children. And that's when Miller gets very serious and is like, I never touched my kids. And Reed believes him. Um, So he's kind of painting a picture of this man who was abused like his whole childhood. And that's why he drinks. And when he drinks, he gets angry and he would hurt his wife. Um, Not that that is an excuse in any way, shape or form. But there is usually a reason behind these things. Um... Miller opens up that he found his family dead. Um, That's how he got the blood on him. Um, He asks what he has left and Reed says his innocence. um, And that for the sake of his children that he should like fight for his innocence. Uh, Reed leaves as Miller said he can't get the image of his dead children out of his mind. He then mentions that his son was holding a picture and that he would love to know uh, what it looked like. Um this actor first of all does a great job um Mm -hmm. like the range of emotion from like that scary Mm -hmm. intimidating to then like the heartbreak of finding his children dead is really good but also Mm -hmm. he something about his like facial structure kind of reminded me of oj (laughs) um (laughs) like only a little bit but like enough that i was like that's not good that's not good for a family murderer but he's, he's not and I liked him, and I also loved when <laughs> Elle goes to Hodge. I think we should stop this. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like the only one with a brain in this room. Right. But it worked. Um, he knew what he was doing. It did. Sorry, Reed. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't have faith in you, buddy, but you <laughs> pulled it out. Um, Reed, Elle, and Hodge are walking down the hall when Elle asks Reed what he was hoping to accomplish. Uh, Reed says that he was closed off, that uh, Miller was closed off and he needed a way in. 
He said he doesn't believe he killed his family and he knows that he still loved his wife because he still wore his wedding ring even though they were divorced and she remarried. Hmm. Sad. Yeah. But also, he's an abuser. <laughs> also Just true. Gotta... I mean, yeah, I take it back. I'm glad she left him, <laughs> but I'm sad that she's dead. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, I also hate that they portrayed the black man abusing his white wife. Um, but yeah, not my fave. Why did he like that? That was a that was a cast that didn't need to happen. Um, it also could have. It just it seems pointed that it's an interracial couple. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we are then back at the Crawford house with Morgan and Gideon. Gideon is profiling how the family lived. He said that the family lived beyond their means to keep up with their friends. Um, so like that there was there was luxury magazines on the table. That was my favorite part. I don't even know what that means. Um, like a Mercedes right? Benz magazine. Is that even luxury? <laughs> I don't know. I'm poor. <laughs> Same. Um, he talks about how Allison's car was in perfect condition, but her husband's car was in disrepair because her car was the one they went to pick up the kids in at their private school. Um, and that there's water damage in the house behind the curtain, so they were trying to hide the fact that they didn't have a lot of money while, like, pretending to flaunt in front of their friends. I just Uh, never want Gideon to profile my apartment. (laughs) 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 You're like, there are cans of seltzer everywhere <laughs> did you notice the amount of goddamn candles in this house too? yeah i did <laughs> yeah i noticed it this time they they have a thing for candles on the show romance um, <laughs> gideon wants to check their financials uh he then approaches a black and white painting with the name emily on it he says it's strange that a child's painting would have no color morgan asks if a dog collar was found Gideon says maybe he didn't have one. Morgan points out that he had to have a collar to get in and out of the dog door because the dog door is armed so the dog had to have a collar to enter and exit or if somebody tried to enter without the collar the alarm would sound. Um, The house was fully armed that night and there was no sign of entry so they realize this is probably how the unsub got in. And in realizing that, they, re- they, like, they're like, okay, this has to be a really small person. I have... Morgan, <clears throat> go ahead. I have a lot of questions that maybe it was just details that I missed, but if the dog was able to come in mm-hmm. that night before, he must have been wearing the collar. Mm-hmm. So he was. So did the unsub lure the dog back outside? Get How, how did the unsub mm-hmm. get in with the collar? I have no yeah. idea. I thought the same thing because the dog he like the he threw the dog a stake, mm-hmm. and the dog still got maybe maybe the clicking was that the dog entered without the collar. But I think the dad would notice that and be like, "I literally, oh my god, my dog's chasing a moth. Um, <laughs> it's on your leg. Oh my god, get it. <laughs> uh, sorry, uh, but like I gave my dog a bath like a couple of weeks ago and you know, took his collar. He was a flea collar and just his regular collar. And the whole time, like, you look so different. You look naked. Like, yeah, your neck so looks so much longer. So, like, mm-hmm. if you have a dog, you notice when their collar's not there. Like, immediately. Yeah. They look like a different dog for some reason. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I was. My dog wears um, a harness, so every time I take it over, I'm like, "Look, you're naked." She also wears clothes because uh, oh. she's a Chihuahua. She gets and cold. She's a girl, so she wears dresses. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! I have this picture of her in her birthday dress. I'll show it to you when we're done recording. It's <laughs> the cutest. Um, uh, Morgan thought that he had to be a big man, but Gideon points out that anyone can be a threat with a gun in a very dramatic way of putting his fingers to the back of Morgan's head and being like, because he said that um, Chris was a black belt in judo, which is a really random fact. Um, and he's like, so are you, but now I got a gun to the back of your head. What are you going to do? <laughs> and it's like, I don't get it. The gun's powerful. Um... <laughs> Gideon explains that the family would have been very loud in the struggle, and then he screams as loud as he can to illustrate that the neighbors would have heard something. This is another one of those scenes that just lives rent-free in my head. Like, Mm -hmm. screaming out the window, help! Help me! Help! Mm -hmm. And then the fucking neighbor's lights turn on. Yeah. Like, you got some splaining to do. Like, it didn't just end with them flicking the lights on and being like, I'm like oh, it stopped. Did you go out and were like, sorry, just me, the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering that, too. <clears throat> Ugh. Gideon is then giving the profile of how the unsub worked to keep the family quiet. Um, like, separating the kids and the mom and the dad in separate rooms. There was no visible sign of restraints. So, um, which... When they show the restraints that they use, like, I guess I get it, but I feel like those would still leave a mark, like a, like a rash or something from the leather. Well, um, especially if, if they were like that for days, you know? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, he was in the house for days with them before he killed him. Uh, they know now that the father was the last to die, meaning he saw everything. They realized the unsub knew that the family was going on vacation because he knew how much time he had with the family. Um, Hotch says they were looking into the financials and Garcia explains that Allison Crawford was spending way more money than they had. She also finds that there are two cell phone accounts, one billed to another residence. The t- <laughs> I don't know why they decided they had to break into this house. Like, you can knock... <laughs> aggressive <laughs> also like especially because most li- like your instant thought is like oh affair maybe that's like mm-hmm. your thought i don't know and they went and then when they saw the place they just they really went for it, it was, they were hella mean yeah and morgan did a lot of door kick in this episode yeah like i don't i just what about they had another phone screams break into the house with your guns drawn um, so the team is breaking into the house where the other cell phone was listed, and they notice the house is incredibly dirty. Elle says this is the cleanest thing in here, pointing to the dog bowl. Um, they check room by room and find a painting that was signed by Emily. They hear a noise and move further into the house. Morgan kicks the door open and is surprised by a dog on the other side. He actually falls on his ass, which is really funny. Rottweiler budget was huge for this episode. <laughs> right? I wonder if it is. It's probably the same the one. Same dog? I would yeah. think so. They all but look like the same, in right? terms of the story, what if they're siblings? That's what, what I was thinking. They're from the same litter. Ah, that would be really cute. <laughs> uh, we have two dogs from the same litter, and they are menaces. <laughs> um, the dog barks in protection and is on Morgan until a man calls him away with a whistle. 
uh, we then see this man, or a man, but you can kind of guess it's this man, an interrogation asking why he's there. This is um, Frank Fielding, played by Abraham Ben Ruby, um, who was, excuse me, front desk clerk in ER. I don't know why I pronounced that so hard. ER. He explains that the painting is his. Um, Gideon explains that the painting was painted by someone left-handed. Emily was left-handed. And Morgan throws some pills at Frank and he catches them with his right hand. So they're like, you're not left-handed. They, which if you can tell that it was painted by a left-handed person, you can probably tell it was painted by a child, but that's fine. Like, Uh, yeah, first of all, it was clearly painted by a child. Second of all, why couldn't you have just, like, handed him a pen and been like, can you write something? And then just be like, oh, you're (laughs) right-handed. Also, it said Emily. And the victim's name is Emily. Like, we get it. Um, They then mention that Frank isn't on his medication, and he's a severe manic depressive. Frank said that he did something wrong, that um, he shouldn't have gone to the house because Allison told him not to. Um, He says, he explains that Allison is his sister and the only family he had. Um, He believes that Chris killed the family, and he says that he was never supposed to go to the house, but they cut his phone off and he missed his sister. So, um, Chris didn't allow the family to see Frank. Frank said it was because if Chris saw him again, he was going to lock him up in a loony bin. Imagine Um, his words, not mine. Yeah, imagine having a husband who's like, no, your brother's crazy, you can't see him. He doesn't seem dangerous, you know, you don't- That wouldn't be my husband. Yeah, like- Not I. No. God, there's a huge moth in here. Jesus Christ. Why don't you get that is one, it, Stanley? Is it a Silence of the Lambs moth? No, it's a- Please tell know. me you've seen that movie. I have! My ex-boyfriend oh, made no. me watch it because- funny enough because he was like i'm not like first of all not a big movie person and i was always like "Mm, horror movies aren't my thing and he asked if i saw that once and i was like no i don't like horror movies and he was like it's not like a horror movie he's like it's basically just like a two-hour episode of criminal minds and i was like Mm -hmm. okay and so we watched it and it was like a two-hour episode of criminal minds it's one of my favorite movies. Yes, it was really good. So I have seen that uh, one. Thank you to my ex-boyfriend, who will not be named. <laughs> yeah, that's why exes are exes. My. No names. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Frank, oh, no. Sorry, we really got off on a tangent there. <laughs> um. Elle says there's no way he got into the house without a key and that she doubts he ha- has one yeah. considering how Chris feels about the brother. And worth noting, this guy was enormous. There's no way he mm-hmm. was fitting through that dog door. He was a huge dude. Mm-hmm. Like, picture six-foot Midwestern farmer. With, like, shoulders that were, like, four and a half feet wide. <laughs> he was huge. Uh Frank explains that he looked through the window and, like, he explains it in such, like, a detailed way. He's like, my breath was fogging up the glass. Um, but he explains that he was looking through the window and saw the family sitting at the dining table, like, sitting down to eat. He said that Sam, the son, was crying and his sister saw him and he said she mouthed something at him. He thinks it was telling her, telling her, her telling him to go away. He says that he didn't see Chris at the table, but he saw a friend at the table, and it was, like, a really small person with red hair. 
um, Hotch, not in the room, but behind the glass, explained she wasn't saying go away, she was saying help me. Around the same time, Frank realizes it wasn't a friend in one of the most devastating ways uh, that really sticks with you. He becomes very shaken and upset, and he starts to hurt himself because he's so upset, and they have to restrain him. That's really sad. It's a very powerful moment in the episode, because uh, it really makes you think, like, like it puts you in his position of thinking that your sister wanted you to go away, but actually she was about to be murdered, and, like, you were the last person to see her alive. Like, that's fucked. And you could have, if you had been able to tell what she was saying, you could have helped her. Or if your relationship mm-hmm. wasn't so strained. Because mm-hmm. of her shitty husband. You would have to put me in a psych ward after that. Yeah. Like, um, we then see Gideon sitting down as Morgan explains that both families had a dog with a dog door. They explain that the person must be pretty small and has probably already found another family. Which, okay, listen, I saw that dog door. I don't care how small you are. How the fuck are you getting in there? Like, a, maybe, like, a young child. Mm-hmm. But there's no adult that's fitting through there. Yeah, that was a joke. Um, we then see a baby laying, or a baby. We then see a family laying a baby down to sleep, and this music plays, which has been used multiple times on the show since this episode. Like, it's funny that you note that because the song at the end, I wrote the same thing. The song that's playing while song. he's confessing. Oh, it's the same song. It's yes, mm-hmm. definitely used in other episodes. They use it in the episode where the um, girl is trying to replicate the dolls that were taken from her by her dad. And I think... That's another psychologist episode, one, is it too, isn't it? Her dad's a psychologist? Mm-hmm. And I think they use it in the episode... No. I want to say they use it in the episode where the unsub is getting girls pregnant so his wife can have babies. Mm-hmm. Um... That's one of my favorite episodes, too. That episode is Bar Nanas. Yeah, that's actually one of the ones I don't love. Because it's so fucked up. (laughs) It is pretty fucked up. Um, I do like the fucked up one. I also also like the marionette one, which is ironically one that everyone hates. (laughs) God, my bones hurt. (laughs) It's a very... You can tell who directed that episode. (laughs) Mr. Goobler. Um... Anyway, back to the episode at hand. Um, so we see a family laying a baby down to sleep. The dad wants to watch his sleep and the sister wants to kiss the baby. The mom instructs them both to get out. We then see <laughs> luggage in the hallway. <laughs> like, it's much nicer than how I put it. It's just like, yeah. go away, you two. Get out of here, you two. Not just like, get out. Leave the, the baby fu- I mean, to like, me. <laughs> I mean, like, at a certain point, if that baby's been up all night, you are going to look at them and go, get the fuck out of here. Let this baby go to sleep or we're all going to be miserable. <laughs> um, after the family leaves the room, someone steps out of the closet in the baby's room Mm-mm. with gloves on and places the baby's pacifier back in his mouth. Oh, my God. It's so creepy. <sighs> Hated it. Hated it. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, dressed in all black and just this very, like, The team still can't find a connection between the families. Morgan profiles the unsub. Um, This was one of those long-ass profiles that I didn't write down. Um, 
The unsub, I wrote down like a piece of it, but the unsub did exhaustive research on the victims and everything is meticulous and has a place. There was a very weird red filter over everything. Yeah, what was that? That's weird. It was like uh, they wanted to use the same like set dressing, but wanted to make it seem like it was a different. Yeah, scene. exactly. It was like, see, oh my god, my dog's had his paws up on the wall trying to get that moth. Sorry, this is an out of the moth, the moth episode. episode. <laughs> I'll keep you updated. The one with the moth we turn into fucking friends. Um. Gideon comes back with the paintings seeming very upset. He explains the differences between the two paintings and believes that the unsub coerced Emily to paint the one without color. He says that is how the unsub viewed the house. (laughs) It was, it landed on the, (laughs) it landed on the rug in front of his face and he just like watched it and now, oh God. He's going to knock your lamp over. <laughs> this is intriguing. You had your chance 30 seconds ago <laughs> and it was right in front of your stupid face. Oh my god, my cats do that. Like, if there's a spider, they'll play with it instead of actually killing it. He does, like, he just, like, paws at it. My dog does that, too. Look at see how he's sitting. Yeah. <laughs> you should get a little bug hunter. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll stop if um, he knocks the lamp over. Hotch <laughs> <laughs> um, dramatically drops his wedding ring on the table and like spins it, like how you spin things that are round, like a quarter <laughs> or something, just to watch it go around. Um, cool guy alert. He explains that each of the husbands was missing their wedding ring, which I don't, I don't know if he said each or I wrote each, but there's only two. Um, he says that this is a trophy and the unsub lost his own family and plays daddy when he takes the family's hostage. All I wrote um, was Hotch saying daddy. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was my one note. <laughs> um, one note that I did make um, that I didn't write down was that I was like really confused as to why the Millers were called the Millers when that was her previously oh, married yeah. And she didn't take her new husband's name. But my mom explained that like sometimes moms do that so that their and their kids still have the same last name. Which I was like, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally just read that today about Kim Kardashian. <laughs> that she wasn't going to change her last name from West so that her and the kids would still have the same last name. Which is fine because Kanye's just going to be yay now anyway. So. God, that man's a mess. <laughs> Um, as someone with bipolar disorder, I wish he would take his fucking <sighs> Me too. I just want to, I feel bad for him. He's such a, like, how to explain it? He's like a stain in the face of people who have bipolar disorder and are regulating themselves on medication because he's who people see as bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. And like, I've seen, I'm in a group on Facebook. Um, I have bipolar too, but um some people were like vis like physically fucked up from seeing him go through shit because it reminded them of shit that they went through yeah and it's just take your fucking meds people um and get the vaccine god damn it um 
Gideon says they should check the father's clothes for DNA as he might have worn the clothes to complete the fantasy. Morgan realizes the Miller's mother and the Crawford's father both worked for the government and that it's time to look into those two specifically, which took a fucking while. Like, you would think that their jobs would be one of the first things, like... Well, and normally, I feel like the first thing they do is try to find a link between the victims by, like, looking at the jobs. And they've been doing it all episode. Yeah. And they didn't think to look at the jobs. Um... We then see Gideon and Morgan talking to a co-worker of Chris Crawford's, and this man was played by Leif M. Burke, um, and he was also in a later episode of Criminal Minds in Season 5, Reckoner. Uh, most people remember this episode as Rossi returning into his hometown. He played the therapist who was working with Allison, the girl who was being sexually abused by her stepfather. Mm, gotta scroll back down um so they're talking to this co-worker of chris crawford's who explains that he had problem at home problems at home like everyone else but that he didn't kill his family he says that he knew they were in family therapy but didn't pry morgan makes a joke about him being an irs agent he's like that's funny coming from an irs agent and the guy seems not at all amused (laughs) 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 he looked pissed um Gideon finds a picture drawn by Sam in Chris's office and says that family therapists use children's paintings to assess family dynamics. He then picks up his phone and we switch to Ellen Hodge talking to a woman rambling about Reese Miller. She says that she knew Reese was abused and she had been abused herself. Uh, when Hodge brings up a therapist, the woman shuts down and says Reese kept to herself. She eventually admits that the that she would cover for Reese so that she could go to therapy appointments and that she figured they were working because Reese uh, left her husband and married someone else. I can't remember. Eric Miller. I couldn't remember his name. Um, we love a country where you have to have your coworker cover for you so you can go see a therapist. Right? You can't just take an hour out of your work day on a Thursday. I go to and therapy on Thursdays. Wow, just... My mom does too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then even then, who knows if you're fucking insurance covers therapy mine doesn't um yeah well looking when i was looking for, i found a new therapist um but when i was looking for a new therapist i specifically wanted to see a black female therapist because i am a black female um and that's like someone who can understand like every facet of me mm-hmm. um and every one of them didn't take insurance and their sliding scale only went down like 25 dollars oh and i was like Wah! <laughs> just give me what i want um but luckily i found someone who was in a network like obviously like props to those women for getting their money but i want to see you for like 40 dollars, okay yeah um but i found someone that was like in a network instead of like a sole provider well it fits in perfectly to this episode where there's the quote or Garcia says, talk is cheap, and Reed says, but now when you're talking to a therapist. <laughs> yes, very that. That is this exact scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Garcia is then with Reed talking about the financial, what the financials look like, and if they showed the families going to the same therapist, he makes a joke about how everyone is medicated, and Garcia catches it and says, did you just make a joke? Despite the fact that this is the third fucking joke he made in this episode alone. (laughs) He's on a roll this week. Right. Garcia then hacks the government's HMO database (laughs) 
to find which doctor prescribed meds. Um, Reed goes, did you just hack the government's HMO database? Is that legal? And Garcia says, no, we'll both go to jail and you'll be someone's bitch. <laughs> and he was like, really? <laughs> um, which is funny because the episode that I just watched is obviously Reckoner. Like, I just, I literally just watched that episode um, today because, like I said, I started on season five today. Um, but garcia it's like when reed didn't tell them that he wasn't cleared to fly and um garcia goes you're my bitch now (laughs) so i was like oh my god connection (laughs) um we then see a little girl from the most recent family being forced to paint while someone pets her on the head um (laughs) that's her literally pets her like a dog like it's so um we then see the doctor who prescribed the meds in a session with a child. Oh, when they were looking at the, when they were looking for the doctor, Garcia's like, okay, let's see who he is. And then she goes, ooh, it's not a he. Um, so we know that the prescribing doctor is a woman and we see her face and I did not write her name down. In the Rachel like, in Howard? Why did that, why is it the one name that mm-hmm. stuck? <laughs> um, I did not write her name down until the very end because I didn't like, I didn't catch it when I was writing, and so I just kept saying the therapist, so apologies, you're going to be hearing that a lot. I'll try and swap it in for Howard, now that I remember, now that Tanner told me, um, but we'll see. Um, we see the doctor who prescribed the meds in, the se- in a session with the child. Hotch Gideon and Morgan bust into the session and ask to speak to her. Well, they don't even really ask to speak to her alone. She just They're like, hey, we're the FBI, and she's like, okay, go along, little child, back to your mother, this seems important. Um, Let's not traumatize the child in therapy. Right? (laughs) (laughs) They begin to fully interrogate this woman about the families because she's the only connection that they have. Um, She says that she has the scariest sentence I've ever heard. Four teenagers. And if she were, (laughs) if she had time to do anything, it wouldn't be killing people. Um, Four teenagers sounds terrible. I used to want like six kids. Um... Now I want two, two to three, um, but four teenagers. I can barely take care of my dog. Today he was whining <laughs> at me, and I'm like, can you stop? And I realized it was because I hadn't fed him. <laughs> I, like, I realized he was standing at his food bowl. I was like, ah, shit, sorry. <laughs> I've done that. Love you. Um, <laughs> who? I just got the hiccups. Oh, no. Okay. Um, let's hope that that was one hiccup in there. I have, I have a, I have a habit of getting the hiccups when I laugh too hard. Oh, interesting. So that's, that's fun. Um, hopefully it was just the one hiccup. (laughs) I'll try to stop being so funny. (laughs) My friends straight up, like, know if they make me laugh too hard, I get the hiccups. So like, (laughs) they just sit there and laugh at me and I'm like, I'm in pain. (laughs) Um. The doctor says that she only met the families once and that she's the only medical doctor at the facility, so she was the only one who could prescribe medicine. And let's talk about this for a second. As a girl who has been a part of the mental health uh, system since she was 10 years old, uh, this makes no sense because you have to meet with a prescribing doctor multiple times so that they can keep up with 
how you're doing on the medication. Yeah. So, like, just my pers- I have a therapist, but I also have a psychiatrist, and I meet them individually. Just my general practitioner just um, prescribes my um, antidepressant. But even then, like, I would go every six months to meet with her just to mm-hmm. be like, how's it going? How's the dose? How are you feeling? And, like, she wasn't even a psychiatrist. She was just my GP. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're putting people on medications, I would hope you're keeping up with them to make sure they're yeah. uh, it's working out okay. My psychiatrist is an NP, but I still call her psychiatrist. Um, because she is. I, f- I love her. Um, go to therapy, guys. Go to psychiatry. Yeah. Find the right one. Take meds. Go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid of it. Your life could be better. Um, so, yeah, I wrote, as someone who has both a psychiatrist and a therapist, you have to go to routine, visit, routine visits with a psychiatrist or the med, med, med prescribing doctor to make sure you're doing well. <laughs> Went on a little tangent there. Okay. Uh, the doctor checks her files to see who she gave the cases to. She tells them they both went to Carl Arnold. Um, they ask to see him, but she says he won't be back until tomorrow. They ask for his address and they get a team to his house. Did she know his address by heart? Right? She just looked down and then Morgan was like, I'll get a team to the house. Yeah, she just like grabs a pen and paper. I'm like, (laughs) right? (laughs) Okay. Guess you're a little closer Um, than you were saying, doctor. (laughs) Doctor. Um... They then ask to see his office, but it's locked. Morgan busts the door open with his foot, and she says someone will have to pay for that lock. Hotch says Carl Arnold will. And it, how? You're going to bill him after the fact? <laughs> I, what the fuck do you mean? Like, I get what they're saying. Carl Arnold's going to pay for what he did. Well, but he's not paying for the lock. Well, I'm imagining the judge at his sentencing being like um 30 years to life no possibility to parole and also you have to pay 250 dollars to repair that door at your office like just part (laughs) of his sentence oh yep that's the answer um when they bust into the office they find paintings covering the walls gideon asks where he is and the doctor like she just said she didn't know um and the doctor says he might be visiting his family. He has two children. Two children. <laughs> Carl Jr. and Sarah. Gideon asks how long ago the marriage collapsed, and the doctor says it was five years. Um, that Carl did, didn't do well with the divorce. He started drinking. He took some time off. Um, she says that the mother took the kids and moved to Idaho. And Morgan gets a call saying they raided, they raided Carl's home and he isn't there. I'm getting all sorts of... T- I... Sometimes I forget, like, if my tongue ring breaks or falls out, I'll forget to put a new one in. And it's been out for a few weeks, and I just put it in yesterday. Mm. So I'm getting a little tongue-tied. <laughs> um, we then see a woman doing laundry. Uh, we get a view of her... <laughs> when I wrote this, I was like, this is... <laughs> this is, like, one of the... Like, not like a... We get a view of her from behind. That is like... <laughs> it's like... I can't explain it. <laughs> like, it's a horny sentence if it's said by someone else in a different... Like, we get a view of her from behind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, someone is approaching her. I was giggling the whole time I wrote it. <laughs> it's just something stupid that my brain does. Um, 
We get a view of her from behind, like someone is approaching her, and she's scared by her son in a skeleton mask. Uh, like, is the it Halloween? Also wearing... Why are they in masks? Yeah, I think so. Or they just got into Halloween stuff. Um, the mother, oh, the daughter's wearing a mask too. She's wearing one of the masks that scares me to, like, face masks. Like, like, okay, the two masks that scare me the most are those clear masks that have drawings on them, like the daughter was wearing. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the JFK George Bush mask. Oh, but like a human face horrifying. My friend so had a Bill Clinton one. Awful. Awful. I, yeah. More than like monster masks, those ones scare the shit out of me. White men masks. <laughs> the yes. scariest monsters of all. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry we keep getting off track, but um, I, was, I was on TikTok before we started recording, and there was this girl who did like a skit where she was like, I am so happy to be America's first female president in the year 3025 after all the men mysteriously were erased from Earth. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, she said something like, we have released male birth control. Turns out it's been hiding in the White House this entire time. (laughs) Who knew? (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Then she was like, we got rid of all the stupid holidays and we enacted cool ones like Purge Day which isn't what it sounds like. It's just a day where we all swap clothes. Oh, fun. <laughs> it was so funny. That girl for president, and... 3025. <laughs> um, so uh, the mother tells the two kids to go do their homework. And she just seems fed up with her children. She in hates general. them. She hates them. <laughs> she fucking hates her kids. She's like, Carl Jr., Sarah, go do your homework. And then she like... When she actually answers the phone call, she's like, shh. I'm like, first of all, your children live in that house and they're children. Second of all, mm-hmm. I don't, off the top of my head, can't think of anyone I know who's a junior. Do people call their kids, like, Carl Jr.? Like, would you not just my My cousin just had a baby that she named after the baby's father, but when they wrote it down, it was the second but I. So what is does she just call? She just calls him by his first name, though, right? She yeah, I don't know why you would call Carl Junior. Carl Junior. Um, but I guess maybe she associates the name Carl with her husband too much, so she has to tack on the Junior to be like. She really should have thought brother. about that. <laughs> he was bad before you had the baby. Seriously, uh, but he could have also forced her to name the baby that. Uh, who knows. He was a bad man with a master plan, and the ladies called him Tex. (laughs) Um, Shout out to all my Bob's Burgers fans. Um, uh, She gets a call. The call is from Hotch asking where Carl is. She explains that she hasn't seen him in two years, but he called an hour ago. She says that he's a scary man. As long as he stays the hell away from her, she doesn't care where he is. Um, she says that when he called, he was talking about how precious family was and that she knew there were children around because she heard crying and that's when he got off the phone. The team realizes he's already in another family's home. Morgan, Hodge, and Gideon go through all of Carl's cases to find out who he could have chosen for his next victim. Victims. Gideon explains they didn't find the trophies at the house, so they're probably in the room that they are in. Morgan has two files, one the Boyds and one the Duncans. The doctor said that the Duncans is not Carl's case, that's hers. 
and that they have a baby boy and a slightly introverted a slightly introverted eight-year-old named jackie that made me she a explains giggle they were planning hmm? that made me giggle <laughs> uh she explains they're planning a trip to the adirondacks and the team rushes away welcome to upstate new we york then see... it's terrible um <laughs> uh, we then see i don't i have no idea i didn't know what the adirondacks were where they were i was just like adirondacks cool that's a place like there i just, just... mountains um <laughs> so it's one of the biggest national parks in the country if mm. not the biggest um <laughs> it's like the size of maine is the national park oh, it's gigantic wow sorry if this is all lies but i think it's true <laughs> uh lake placid Listen, is you're there. an expert like, no one can tell you wrong yeah lake placid where the 1980 olympics were famously held is in the adirondacks mm. um but highly recommend a visit <laughs> it's a bit, bit of a haul from california but <laughs> <laughs> yeah i might just go to yosemite it's like an hour away um well. I the school that I go to is one of the Yosemite Community Colleges and so part of my school email has Yosemite in it but when I'm typing it I I say Yosemite because it makes me giggle I pronounced it Yosemite (laughs) until I was probably like 15 years old because I had just never heard anyone say it out loud before and that's how it's spelled so that's how I said it in my head when I read it and then I heard someone say it out loud and I'm like that's like um Episcopalian I read it as Episcopal. Every single time I try, <laughs> drive past a church that says Episcopal on it, I'm like, oh, it's the Episcopal Church. <laughs> like, it's just, there's just some words like that oh, that make no sense. Yeah. The English language is wild. I mean, I think Yosemite is Yosemite. Yosemite is too cool of a word to be English, right? Oh, yeah. It must be like <laughs> indigenous, maybe. I'm going to Google it. Um, we then see the team outside of a home with SWAT. They see a family sitting at a table through heat sensing equipment, which is pretty high tech. Yeah, it was cool. Um, they walk past a dead dog, which was traumatizing. I know. Um, We've had so many dead dogs like, this episode. Right? And on um, National Dog Day, when I'm recording this. Right? Ugh. The disrespect. Was this one yep. a Dalmatian? It's a, making that up? No, I'm pretty sure it was a Dalmatian. Um, Yosemite is from the native word Uzamate, I think. I'm probably not pronouncing that right, which means grizzly bear. Oh. Are there a lot of bears in so Yosemite? So it is of native origin. Uh, I don't go up there. <laughs> this well, there's I bears get... in the Adirondacks, so there. <laughs> <laughs> there are bears at Yosemite, um, but you won't catch me finding them. <laughs> Uh, the how did I just skip them? Oh, <laughs> I wrote they walk past a dead dog and storm into the house, but I missed the part where I wrote they stormed into the house, and I just read the mother says the man has her baby. So I was like, how did I miss the part where they <laughs> break into the house? Um, so the mother says the man has her baby, like he has my baby. Gideon asks where the basement is, and she says it's under the stairs. Gideon and Morgan rush down to the basement where there's an assortment of holiday decorations just looking all sorts of creepy. They find Carl ducked behind a Christmas ornament with his hand over the baby's mouth, shushing the agents like it's to not disturb the baby. Um, Christmas ornament. He was, like, standing behind one of the people that brought um, gifts when Jesus was born. Oh, one of the wise men? Were the dis- yes, wise men. I, don't, I was thinking disciples for some reason. 
there's a TikTok recently that's like, I brought you frankincense. And the other one goes, I brought you myrrh. Murder. <laughs> Does he kill baby Jesus? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, but it's really funny. <laughs> like, the way people use it as a sound, and especially explicitly in an anime context, because I get a lot of anime TikToks, it's just funny. <laughs> um... So Carl has his hand over the baby's mouth and he shushes the agents. He uncovers the baby's mouth and the baby is like screaming, um, which we would have heard the baby screaming behind the hand, but that's fine. <clears throat> he stands up to hand the baby over and instead throws the baby at Gideon and tries to attack with a knife. Morgan subdues him and holds him by the neck and you hear him make this like really gross choking noise. Uh, we Gideon him. consoles, right? Gideon consoles the baby, and we then see Carl walking into the BAU in cuffs and chains. He is acting like a celebrity as he walks through, and we pass JJ, and she uh, Gideon asks if there's any forensic evidence that they can tie him to, and JJ says no. Um, and then Gideon asks if, uh, she's like, can we get him? And Gideon's like, did you do what I told you to do? And she's like, yeah. Um... So this is their one chance. They can't tie him forensically to any other crimes. Gideon is... Woo, lost my place. Gideon is interviewing Carl in front of a case board that shows the crime scenes. Carl asks for water and for his shackles to be removed. He gets water. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. Carl. In what world do you get your shackles removed? Right. Stupid. Uh, Carl, well, if it's Mindhunter, you let a six foot plus man almost seven foot man out of his shackles just so you can give him a pair of pumps um i love that show and that book i do too the book is excellent i haven't read the book i do want to read the book. i read it so fast oh my god it was yeah. so good and they did such oh. a good job with the show that like reading the book you can like picture the show they really did a good mm. job that's awesome i hope it comes back i want to i there is like it's probably not coming back, but I hate that because the storyline that they didn't finish needs to be finished. And, like, I know that they can't really finish it by catching him because he didn't get caught until years later. But. Well, it ended with them getting the Atlanta child murder. Yes. What was but it? the one that they, the underlying story. That oh, was BTK. First and second scene. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Also, I'd love to know what happened I'm... with uh, Tentious Son. Yeah. That was, um, I'm from Kansas, so BTK is very, uh, very real to me. Um, it was like a fear that we had. There was like a literal night where like, this is the night that he hunted kind of thing. Um, I have another story, but I'm not going to tell that right now. I'm going to get clearance from some people before I tell that story. Oh. Um, (laughs) I think I told you already. Um. Anyway, um, Carl thinks he got away with it. He's like, really? Like, whatever. I was, he said, basically, he's like, I stalked them, but I didn't kill them. Because he's like, I did home visits, sometimes without their knowledge. Yeah, what the <laughs> hell? God. Um, Gideon shows him pictures of the families he murdered, and Carl explains the strains of each marriage. Gideon then shows Carl his own family, but explains that the mother and children are afraid of the father. 
Carl seems very agitated at this point and focused on the Miller's crime scene. He says it isn't right, that the pictures are mixed up. He says that Sam Crawford's foot is with the Miller family and that they need to swap the pictures and make it right. Gideon explains that they are switched, but how did Carl knew? How did Carl knew? I actually wrote that. How did Carl know? <laughs> um... Which apparently is the straw that broke the camel's back because this motherfucker just starts confessing Mm -hmm. off of one picture. Um, We then see Hotch searching the bookshelf in his office and finding a hollow spot. Uh, We switch back to Carl confessing on video at the same time. He explains that he would bring the family down to the basement one by one. The youngest first and the father last so the father could see what happens to families when the head of household isn't strong. The team packs up the evidence board as we hear him confess. Hodge pulls down the board that was hollow and finds videotapes, restraints, and a metal box that he opens. When Hodge returns to the round table, Gideon grabs whatever in the box and drops it on the table. We see that it is eight wedding bands, suggesting there are six families Arnold murdered that they didn't know about. There is no end quote. And that is the end of episode seven of season one of Criminal Minds, The Fox. Um, so one thing that I've been, like, keeping under my hat this whole episode, um, is that Carl Carl Arnold, Neil Jones, is Billy Kostecki from Dirty Dancing. And if you're like, who's Billy Kostecki from Dirty Dancing? Um, it is the cousin of Patrick Swayze's character. And he's in the iconic scene, I Carried a Watermelon. (laughs) Uh, Tanner hasn't seen this movie, so she can't laugh with me, and I'm mad about it. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, I've now seen that scene, because you sent it to me. Yes, you have which, seen that scene. I did. <laughs> I was like, I need context for the watermelon. <laughs> yeah, so basically, um, she's going to this party that the resort, so I can't give the whole synopsis of the movie, but she's going to a party that she isn't invited to, and when the person who's like kind of hosting the party gets there and is like, what the fuck is she doing here? She goes, I carried a watermelon. <laughs> Um, the obvious explanation uh billy is the cousin of patrick swayze in that movie which is wild because it looks almost nothing like him um as i said tony todd is Candyman. um bonita frederici was on an episode of dharma and greg which i thought was funny oh with hotch yeah uh abraham ben ruby as i said was everyone's favorite front desk clerk on er chris crawford who was played by damon uh, Clark is an anime voice actor, most notably Cell from Dragon Ball Z and Scar from Full Metal Alchemist. He also played Tambourine and Bora in the series Dragon Ball. And uh, Leif M. Burke, as I said, uh, was the IRS agent and is also a therapist in Season 5, Episode 3, Reckoner. And that's what I have for this episode. Well, and as we know, we mentioned earlier, this is not the last time we see Carl Arnold. Um, and oh, here's a fun fact that I found. Pull it up. So there was some speculation. I don't know if this is 100% true, but there was some speculation that maybe lightly inspired um, by a serial killer. Oh, God. Who's, he's from the Ukraine, which means wish me luck oh, uh, with this name. <laughs> Anatoly Anna Prienko. Anatoly mm-hmm. Um who was a Ukrainian serial killer and family annihilator 
from 1989 to 1996, he admitted to killing 52 people over seven years. Um, and I feel like I've like you know that graphic that is like the serial killers who killed the most people. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's on that graphic. Oh, he might be. Yeah, he would um, target an isolated house to commit murder. He'd create some sort of commotion to gain the attention of the homeowners and then kill them, starting with the alpha of the home, usually the father. So he would do opposite than the next, and he would kill the children um, last because he didn't want them to be orphans, and then he'd kill any potential witnesses. They did that in another episode of Criminal Minds where they killed the children because they didn't want them to be orphans. How thoughtful. <clears throat> right? Just, how about we don't kill? How about we do that instead? Yeah. Um, it says, while Anatoly Onoprienko was never f- referenced or mentioned in the show, he appears to have been an inspiration for Carl Arnold. Both were prof- prolific serial killers and family annihilators who targeted families, broke into their homes to kill them, killed by various means, and had some twisted concept of mercy in their killings. Arnold viewed the family's slaughter as dysfunctional, while Onoprienko killed the children of the family so they wouldn't become orphans. Where is this from? Um, the Ukraine. No, the article. Oh, uh, criminalminds.fandom.com. <laughs> so, how accurate? Nice. Hard to say. Mm-hmm. But it does kind of look like it's just a copy and paste of a Wikipedia page. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that was interesting. Mm-hmm. He. Yeah, it's a lot of people he killed. Um. The Beast of Ukraine. Yes. Yes, I've heard of that. Yeah. 52. He's up there with, like, what were those two Russian ones? The chess one? Um, uh, God, I'm... S- I don't know I can barely one. do English names alone. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna, I was gonna take a guess, but it would just be offensive. Didn't... The chessboard killer... Uh, Alexan- Alexander Pachushkin. Didn't the Candyman, like, the murderer, not the movie, Dean Coral, didn't he have, like, around 50 victims? Did he have that many? 28. 28. Pachushkin was, uh, the one that he would, oh, God, horrifying. He, um, was trying to beat, I will look it up in a minute, who he was trying to beat, like, out kill. Oh, that, they said that on an episode of Criminal Minds. He killed people, like, on a chessboard. Yeah, so this is that guy. And he would... Mm -hmm. Um, lure people out to there's like this massive park in Moscow mm-hmm. and um, he like so like unimaginably really huge it was just enormous and he'd lure them out and he'd like hit them over the head and then dump them down like throw them down a sewage pipe or like a manhole like he'd move the manhole throw them down and that's where they died like except for like Jeez. one woman her she like somehow survived and she like was able to get out of the sewer system and it was like a whole thing and she lived but yeah he killed tons of people and wow there was one other one from over there who killed a lot too um Andre Chikatilo yeah Chikatilo mm-hmm. that was the other one um... he was a psycho and he killed uh he confessed to 56 murders the other one I was thinking might have had that much was John Wayne Gacy, but he had at least 33. Uh, Crazy. Yeah, these people are 
Well, and I, the I think worst of humanity. Part of the thing about Chikatilo, Pachushkin, and oh God, I don't remember his last name now. The guy from the Ukraine was who was when he was born, and for I guess much of it was part of the Soviet Union. Not all of it oh. was. I think um, the I from what I learned, I've listened to a couple podcasts about uh, Pachushkin. Though, just like the police were really corrupt and weren't good at their jobs and weren't mm. didn't care about their jobs, so people were going to the police and were like, "This man attacked me, and you know I happened to survive." Blah blah, and they're like, "Oh well, you don't have all your immigrant papers, so I'm gonna just arrest you for that instead. If you or you can leave and drop the charges." And like this, wonder what that's like. Yeah, and it so it happened like multiple times where people survived tried to report him and the police were kind of like whatever like but you were drinking underage so you were gonna just charge you for that or you can leave and just let it go i could absolutely see that happening in like la <laughs> yeah well lapd's yeah. famously dysfunctional yes so yeah um that's what i know about russian serial killers <sighs> uh, let those Oh, um, sorry, what thing I wanted to mention? Maybe not. Um, justice for all these dogs that were killed in this episode. Also, God, God, it's heartbreaking. It was a German Shepherd, a Rottweiler, and a Dalmatian. May they rest mm-hmm. in peace in doggy heaven. Um, there was no end quote for this episode. I don't know if I saw. Yeah, that. I thought I missed it, and then I was like, "Well, I'm sure Monica got it." <laughs> There was none. Okay. Um, no, there was just the one quote from Gideon, and the episode ends on a very, like, somber note showing that there were eight total victims. Um, which, it could have been seven, one of the red- No, I think he wore his wedding ring still. Um, but even still, it was eight- No, no, it would have been eight. Because I was gonna say, it was eight that they found, and what if there was, like, he had the other two still on him, but- they were well, probably in there already. And when Hotch opened, like, found that little hollowed out cubby where those, I don't know if they were tapes or notebooks, whatever, um, with mm-hmm. the names on it, there was clearly, I think there's at least five families' names on them. Mm-hmm. So, there's obviously. And the restraints were in there, too, which is interesting because that means he has, like, multiple pairs of restraints because God had backups. he had a family. Um. Yeah, this is one of my favorite episodes because it's so fucked up. Um, it's, it's a dark one. It is very dark and it's very mind fuck. Um, it's creepy. It's just uh, a good creepy episode. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I wrote like, oh my god, this is horrifying multiple times in my notes, which I don't always. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's um, which is nice because I don't like a few of the upcoming episodes. What's at all? What? Uh, derailed is coming up in two episodes. Is that the one L's um, on the train? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that one. I fucking hate that episode. <laughs> um, it's uh, I hate it. Not for any like specific reason. It's just not my fave. Um, our next episode is Natural Born Killer, which I skip every time. Uh, it's the undercover cop in. Baltimore, I think. Uh, yeah, Baltimore. 
um, the undercover cop who's like clocked in a bar by a cop and the guy's like how do you know him is this the one where the girl is running it no that is that but that is the same guy that works in this episode is in that episode this episode is the one where the guy is like uh, about to be eaten by rats is this the Russian thing no god what (laughs) this leads to the Russian thing this is like a Hispanic thing, kind of. I mean, I always. Skip oh, this wait! Is there like a shower? A very bloody shower. The whole place. It's the one where the guy runs out of the house that's just covered in blood, yeah. and the woman is like mad because they're blaring music, and she's like, "Do you know what time it is?" Yeah. Okay. Yep. I don't know why that one i literally don't even remember who the unsub is in that episode because i hate it so much i don't yeah that it. one really hasn't stuck in my oh. mind which is funny because my mom is re-watching as i've said and <laughs> she texts me last night and she's like oh my god this is an intense one i'm like which one is it she's like they're in new york that's the only hint she gives me and i'm immediately <laughs> like i'm immediately like oh lo-fi the one where the guys are shooting people at subway stops and kate and hotch get blown up and she's like yes that one and i'm like i don't know how i knew that and she was like, oh my god, I'm on the edge of my seat. And um, <laughs> I was like, I don't really like Kate that much. Like, she kind of irked me. So, I and, fucking hate Kate. Yeah, and she was like, yeah, me too. I'm like, I really liked that other guy, though, that had, like, a little flirty flirt with Prentice. And she was like, mm-hmm. he's on uh, he was on NCIS or something. And I was like, he's cute. Mm-hmm. She's like, he's on SVU, too. He got blown up. Yes, I remember. That. I saw that episode. Oh, wait, no. Wait, yes. Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah, she was like, but he's a Mets fan. And I'm like, most people assume Yankees, but Prentice isn't most people. And she's like, you're, you're sick. <laughs> I'm like, I, I know. <laughs> like, I've seen <laughs> too many episodes, too many times. So I don't know why some, like, stick in my brain like that. And then this one, I I can barely recall. I hate, I just, I just realized who the unsub was in this episode because I was flipping through the pictures on IMDb. And he's one of the iconic killers from an episode of SVU. Here, I'll show you. Oh. Oh. It looks like, Uh, is that Bart Bass? (laughs) It looks like Bart Bass. I think every bald, semi-handsome man looks like Bart Bass. (laughs) It's my toxic trait. uh, Patrick Kilpatrick. What a name. Who would do that to their child? (laughs) That's not nice. It's not who I was thinking of. Uh, I think he's. I think this guy's. Still oh no, that's speed. not Barbass. Oh my god, sorry. Uh, I like that we're just gonna do. Oh, he's running for governor. <laughs> Is that for real? Patrick Kilpatrick for governor. It's heartbreaking to see what Is has he... happened to my state of California. Oh no. Yeah. Oh. He's a Republican! Run for your life! I look outside and I see rampant homelessness, collapsing education, a decaying environment. Rampant homosexuals! Oh my god. Well. (laughs) I expect the worst out of these people. What the? Is this legit? You could donate now. (laughs) What, those royalties ain't coming in from Criminal Minds? He looks like a Republican. Patrick Kilpatrick is a 
can't even say that name, is a veteran of 200 plus <laughs> films and hit TV shows. An accomplished yep. actor, writer, and producer. He's the CEO of Uncommon Dialogue Films and a proud father of two grown sons. He's a common sense Democrat, an advocate for solutions, devoted to empathy and uplifting of all people. Mm. He has 17 upcoming projects. So I guess he's not going to have time to run for governor. Aren't you guys uh, doing like a recall vote like now? Yeah. I mean, I hopefully it doesn't go through. Are you um, worried? How worried should we be? My mom's worried a little. Um, we haven't returned our ballots yet. Which we need to do. <laughs> When's are they due? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, not like super soon, but I just would rather it be over and done with. Like we do mail-in ballots, so it's not a big deal. I just need to fill mine out. Yeah, I'm still registered um, to vote in Massachusetts. <laughs> So I have to vote by ballot for all of them. I don't have a New York State ID. <laughs> and my car is still registered in Massachusetts. Please don't come for me. Uh, I still, my ID still says an address that I no longer live in. Yeah, well that's the best part is my Massachusetts ID isn't even my last apartment. It's like two apartments old. <laughs> uh, classic. Mm. It's just such a pain and it costs money. Procrastination. And my Oh, but we're going to have to get our real ID soon. My problem with getting a New York state license is that I will never take a good, better picture than the one I have in my Massachusetts state license. <laughs> like, my picture is a perfectly acceptable photo, and I'm definitely, I definitely gained weight since then, so my, fa- and I, like, gain it so much in my face, so, like, my face is rounder, like, the light behind my eyes has been extinguished. There's just, like... <laughs> It's not going to be a good photo of me. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to get those real IDs soon, so you won't have a choice. If I have a passport, do I need one? Yeah. Why? Pretty sure. Because it's, uh, it's not international travel. It's domestic. But, like, can't I just use my passport for domestic travel? I don't think so. Excuse me, Joe Biden, if you're listening. <sighs> Please don't. Mr. Biden. Mr. President. <laughs> Moth update. I just sat on my microphone cord and pulled it out of the mic. Um, <laughs> Moth update. It's it's out there somewhere. I don't know where it went. It was. <laughs> I have, like, uh, string lights above the wall in front of me, and that's where it was kind of going, like, bulb to bulb. And then it went over to mm-hmm. this lamp. I don't see it. And it's big. So it's probably upstairs, like, on my huh. bed nesting in my pillows it's waiting for you but why would it go up there it's eating your sweaters dark (sighs) maybe it's in the lampshade that's usually where they hide i'm just gonna go in there with some raid all right what's the cutest thing your dog did Uh, today one of your dogs my fucking dog hurt herself oh um she was oh well i guess um my mom's dog king came over to me and like whined because he wanted attention and he doesn't usually come over to me because teddy his dad is really possessive um so i don't know if i explained this we have four dogs my mom we um so we used to only have two and then my mom's dog passed away which was the dog i grew up with and she adopted her adopted well she let's be honest she bought them um two dogs um from the same litter 
and then um it was like three on it was like three so it was like those two dogs and my dog daisy and so i was like she's kind of lonely i kind of want to get her a friend and i was having trouble finding anything and so i contacted the um breeder that my mom got the boys from adopt on shop <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um we found them on craigslist so it wasn't like a anyway i asked her if she knew of anyone that was rehoming a dog um and she said that they were rehoming the stud that uh they used for the boys teddy and um so we got teddy and teddy lives with us now Mm. and he's my little boy but he is very protective and um very much possessive over your time so if another dog comes up to you he's like um you're supposed to be petting me like even if you weren't petting him at all like if you even like talk like baby talk to a different dog he's like hi did you forget about me like i'm still here (laughs) yeah so king doesn't usually come over to me because teddy is so like possessive but he came over and he was like and then like pet him and he like licked my hand and he's like he's a 22 pound dog and he's like his brother so like his brother is only 12 pounds <laughs> so he's vastly overweight <laughs> and so when you hold him he like gives you hugs and he'll put his chin on your shoulder and it like feels like he's gripping your shoulder like with his chin so cute yeah that was the cutest thing he came over to me um but yeah daisy hurt her paw somehow she came in from outside and she was limping and licking her leg and i was like what the fuck are you doing? stanley's going to the bed tomorrow because he is like i mean it's fine it's just like he's like a raw spot on his paw um that mm. i don't think it's like a big deal but just want to make sure there's nothing stuck in it and i can't really tell because i'm not a vet yeah she stopped limping so i'm not super worried about she does have a back leg that she limps on sometimes but it's like for a few minutes then she stops i should probably take her in anyway um but she stopped limping on this it was her front leg this time so she was fine um but when she limps on her back leg she never makes any noise she just kind of like hobbles for a little bit and then she's fine maybe she's just like stiff or something yeah dogs like that because he's 15 (laughs) he's an old man daisy and teddy well yeah daisy and teddy are both five i mean teddy is technically four, but both of my dogs are five because we don't know when his birthday oh. is. <laughs> Stanley's four, huh, bud? His birthday? <laughs> okay, my one last fun dog story, and then it's a high note. I took him to get his. This is like two hours. <laughs> I took him to get his nails trimmed once, and um, the woman was like, "When's his birthday?" Why can't I was like, uh, February 27th, or February 28th, 2017. And she was like, oh, a leap year baby. I was like, mm, I'm glad you're cutting my dog's nails and not doing my taxes. <laughs> uh, we have to fully muzzle my dog and wrap her up in a uh, blanket when we trim her nails because she hates it. I, um, but... I partially think if I had help, maybe I could do it myself, but absolutely not alone, like, with no help, because he he doesn't, like, freak out or anything, but he doesn't sit still, and he tries to, like, he puts his mouth near the clippers, and I'm afraid mm-hmm. I'm going to hurt him, but he's really super mm-hmm. well-behaved, like, at the groomers, and it's 10 bucks, so whatever. Nice. Yeah. I get Teddy groomed, but Daisy, I took... And my short hair chihuahua i took her to the groomers for her birthday <laughs> um anyway we should probably cut off because this is an hour and oh, 30 minutes long. <laughs> um, <laughs> i hope there's shit to cut because this is a really long episode <laughs>
Um, <clears throat> so, if you would like to follow us, we are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at This Is Calm Pod. If you know anyone who's been on the show or worked on the show, know any secrets about the show, you can email us at thisiscompodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can find us wherever you find podcasts, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, and please like, rate, review, subscribe, all of that stuff. It helps. I don't know if we have any yet. I haven't we checked. We have two ratings. Apple Podcasts. One is me. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Uh, that makes me happy. Um, okay, that's awesome. Because I listen on Spotify, so I never see that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but yeah. Thank you to our um, one fan. We'll see you guys. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Um, we will see you guys next week for. What was it? Cold Blooded uh, Killer? Natural Born yes. Killer. Okay. Bye bye. <laughs>